Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and I just got back from the Animation Festival of Halifax this weekend, where they showed my short film, The Silly Duck Wizard, along with a whole bunch of other great shorts. Today I'm chatting with someone whose animation I am blown away with every time I see it, and that is Jeremy Nixon of Instagram and TikTok fame, and I super encourage you to go check out his work if you haven't done so already, and you'll see how mind-boggling what he's doing is. In fact, I think he's super ahead of the game when it comes to animation on social media, and since our chat, he has gained over 100,000 more subscribers than he had before on TikTok, and he's just raking in the views. I think he's at over 50 million views on his stuff now, which is insane. Now, besides all this, over the years, he's worked on some really cool projects projects for clients like Amazon Prime, Dell, and Modern Wolf. And in our chat, he's going to share his journey to social media success and his strategy for making it as an independent animator. But first, this episode is sponsored by TV Paint. Created in 1991 by Hervé Adam, TV Paint was developed to create digital 2D animations as closely as possible to hand-drawn animation and to make it accessible to everyone. Now used by artists, animation schools, and major film studios all over the world, including Cartoon Saloon, who used it to create their feature film Wolfwalkers, TV Paint has many powerful tools that can imitate real-life painting and drawing techniques like gouache, watercolor, pencil, and more. So if you'd like to try TV Paint for yourself, head on over to tvpaint.com to begin your free trial now. Now, without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Jeremy. Tell Hello. me something interesting. <laughs> oh, goodness, right off the bat. Um, interesting. Okay. Uh, Tell me about what you're wearing on your head, actually. Why don't you, why don't, yeah. we, why don't we talk about that? Sure, I'll start with my goggles. Um, so I'm an animator. I'm a 2D animator from London, currently living in London. Uh, and the goggles explicitly, I started wearing them when I went to animation school many years ago, 2004 to 2006. And uh, halfway through my tenure there, I was like, man, there are so many like animes and things where characters wear goggles on their forehead, but no one does it in real life. That's silly. So I decided to do it. I was like, what the hey, I'll, I'll wear goggles. I bought some goggles and people are like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and now, and then I lost all my hair and now I'm just like an old man that wears goggles on my forehead. I mean, you're giving yeah. me really like steampunk vibes. So I'm. I was I was obsessed with steampunk stuff when I was oh, same. You know, in my in my like early twenties. I'm like so. working on a steampunk show pitch currently that I got one really of to, like do the art for. Yeah. Damn, that's I, sick. So obsessed. Like that's all I read fantasy wise. I just have like I have a folder on my computer just called like steampunk images of me just yes. going through Google images for hours and finding like cool steampunk things. Anyways, besides the love it, love the, it. Do they leave marks on your forehead if you take them they off? They absolutely do, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're just going to have a permanent dent there. <laughs> exactly. I, I can't not wear goggles anymore because of my head. You just wear them still. everywhere or just as like an online persona? No, yeah, I do, honestly. I, I either wear a hat or goggles pretty much all the time. Um, and it kind of ties into like, you know, it's a bit of a, a bit of a brand personality. Totally. Well. You know, you're at the family reunion and people are like, what do you do, Jeremy? And you're like, I... <laughs> just look at me. And they're like, oh, an animator. Yo, you're a starving artist. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've done like wedding speeches with these on and I think it, I got married with them on. And also, wow. So they're just sort of a part of me now. But I do wow. have different goggles and with different colors and stuff. So it's not the same pair all the time. Wow, I love it. I I always I always think of like doing something like that with my own image. Like the most of I I've, I don't even have earrings in right now, but I got my ears pierced. But I just I just like wearing a t-shirt and jeans and like nothing else. Like I'm a minimal type of guy. Anyways, no, I mean like, I think your style totally works for you, dude. Like and also like you know you you know you've got a good look. You're a handsome man, so you don't oh, wow. do anything, you know. <laughs> I feel like we're way going way off topic, but maybe we are because we're talking about branding and maybe, Absolutely. you know, you have a, a past history in branding before you started animation. And that's kind of something that you've said is important to how you've been projecting yourself online. And that's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe directly related to some success in your career. So do you want to talk about your strategy with branding yourself as an yeah. online freelance animator and what you do? Absolutely. Okay. Well, um, sort of I'll, I'll try and like condense this but basically I uh after I finished high school I spent a few years floundering and not really knowing what I wanted to do then studied 2D animation for three years and worked in the industry in New Zealand where I'm from actually um for about two or three years 
and then I moved to London, UK, which is where I, where I am now, like 12 years later. Um, but so I'd been studying animation and I'd been doing a little bit of, I'd been working at a few kind of studios and things. Um, but when I moved to London, I got a job at a game studio called Splash Damage. Um, they make sort of FPS games. They worked on games like uh, Quake Wars, uh, Enemy Territory. It's a game called Brink that came out. A lot of sort of, like, sort of shooty, uh, you know, stylized shooty games. Um, uh, but they, I was drawn to the company because they had this game called Brink. They had this really amazing art style. Um, but I was there for maybe eight years and I was on a track towards branding and marketing. I was in sort of the marketing art department. And um, by the time I left, I was a brand manager for a game called Dirty Bomb, um, which is also set in London. Um, but yeah, it was sort of like eight years in, I was definitely heading towards a kind of a, kind of a managerial position, one that was very much about sort of numbers and how to brand yourself and market the games to the public and, and things like that. And I was definitely just like, oh, God, I need to get back to making stuff, you know, like yeah. I was doing less and less art and more and more oversight and emails and meetings. Um, and uh, yeah, so basically I just sort of, uh, my wife had uh, just gotten a job herself in animation. And so she was able to support me as I got into freelance. Oh wow! So about four years uh, ago now, I left my job with eight years and I was like, okay, let's try getting back into animation. It's been a long time, <laughs> what's going on? Um, but I, certainly... though. I think you should be very proud of yourself to take that big jump and switch to, you know, pursue something that's more internally fulfilling. Yeah, it was it was uh, scary. Um, yeah. um, but also, I, I kind of felt like I, I felt like I could do it. And I and with the support of my wife, because she was able, you know, if things went totally wrong, it wouldn't have meant I would be out in the street. So it, it gave me the opportunity to, to do that. Um, yeah, no, go on. Oh, so what, what is the biggest mm. thing you learned about branding while you're mm, working yeah. at a video game company that, you know, maybe you've transferred over to mm. how you run your career now? Mm. Um, well, I think firstly, it's funny because I ran sort of kicking and screaming from branding and marketing. And I was like, no, just get me into a studio, get me making art. I don't want to be thinking about this stuff. Of course, not thinking about the fact that as a freelance animator, you're selling yourself and you have to convince people that you're worth hiring or that your style is unique and stuff. And that's that's all branding. Um, but in, in terms of what I actually what actually brought through with me, um, there's a lot of things like being being consistent, I think, with your image and what you're about is quite important. Um, if you, if you look at my social channels, they've got, you know, they've got literally got a picture of me with my goggles because I knew this was something that I've been doing for years, but it was something that does set me apart from other people. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what is something that you do that is consistent with your branding? And is it mm. the goggles over everything? Is that like an example? Um, I mean, that's an example of, of something that does set me apart. And like, you know, if I if I meet someone in the industry, they can say to someone else, oh, it's that guy with goggles, you know, like. <laughs> just silly it's just really dumb but it's the way that humans no, it makes work. Sense. It, top of mind awareness yeah absolutely um what else what um, about the type of content you're producing do you try mm, to stay in a consistent world there like do you mm, turn away projects that uh maybe don't fit the style you're going for or you yeah. want or do you not post those things mm -hmm. yeah i mean when i was starting freelance I was like hey I'm I can do anything I'm like an artist I can be do illustrations for you and things like that and so the work that I got right at the start was pretty broad um but I did realize pretty quite soon that if I ended up doing work that didn't suit me or that I didn't enjoy it would have just led led towards more work like that and, and you are definitely only known for your kind of your most recent work and and the stuff you, you have been doing um and so early on, it was definitely, there were some moments of uh, maybe I shouldn't take this job, even though I don't have anything else lined up in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, that's a bit of a, is this a scary thing again? Because it's, it's sometimes you just don't have the luxury of making that choice. So you, so you were in a specific situation mm. where your wife was kind of supporting you for you and you consciously said, like, I am going to mm. refuse jobs that don't equate to the big reason I took this risk in the first place mm, to pursue mm. something that I want. And I'm only going to yeah. pursue things 
that I want. But how how did you if you're not getting work, how did you make sure you were pursued, uh, pursuing the things that you wanted to to get if you didn't have, you know, mm. a portfolio of anything? Mm. Mm. And I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, maybe you did. I'm just speculating. I, I definitely I'm like, less... you didn't have any work. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, just like a wide eyed child going, can someone give me money? Um, no, I did have a small portfolio. Uh, like I said, I'd done some animation, but years prior and in my time at Splash Damage, I did also have art and some, there was a couple of trailers I made for them that were actually 2D animated because we made a couple of cartoony games. So there was a, I was basically like, it was a bit of a stretch, but I had enough for a small showreel and some art examples. Um, but I should actually say that I started my freelance career on the platform Upwork. I don't know if you've heard of Upwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Do you use it or have you heard of it? I personally haven't, but I, mm, I well, yeah. I, I've, in my past career, I've used it to hire to hire people, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like content and make videos and stuff for for me sure. when I was in the world. But yeah, yeah, it's it's um you know it's a marketplace to sell your services. It's like Fiverr, but more ex more expensive, more quality, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, it, it it really is. There's like a whole range. You can set your price, and people can decide whether you're worth it. But the way it works is that for me as a freelancer, I will be essentially uh, like. Um, Clients, sorry, will put up the jobs that they need done. And any freelancer that sees that job can basically send them a, an email saying, here's yeah. how much I charge. Here's why, uh, here's it's why you should go with time. me. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think my story as an animator, at least a freelance animator, is a little bit atypical as well because I haven't actually done much in the way of sort of studio work. Hmm. Um, only really in the last year or two have I started to take on some more kind of studio jobs. At the start, it was definitely... Uh, Upwork and mostly for quite small clients, um, which maybe didn't pay as much, but they did offer me creative control and really let me put my stamp on things. Yeah. Um, and I knew about myself as well. One of the benefits about getting into freelance at the age of like 30, I guess, was knowing a bit about myself and knowing what I wanted to do and what I didn't care about. And um, you know, when you're very, very young, it's like just I just I just need experience and I need to get there. By this point, I at least had experience animation and art and branding. And so it was sort of like, here's actually what I want to do. And these are the sorts of jobs I will try to get. Um, so again, because on Upwork, I'm only bidding on jobs that I that I feel will suit me already. It's like, well, I'm going I'm building up my own showreel and my own portfolio with small jobs with uh, kind of that, that are jobs that I like and that suit my sensibilities, I suppose. Yeah. So um, another question I have is, you know, at the start, I guess you were using Upwork to get um, clients and stuff now. But yeah. like I've been on your website and it is, you know, it, it's absolutely beautiful. Your work, like it's interesting for me as an animator because you take me through the process of like, you know, a blank page and your roughs and the timing mm. and the reviews mm. and like all this, like it, it's really great. So how much influence does your website mm. have now in you getting work? Like do people... Like, because also my past is SEO, so I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, are a lot of people coming to your site just uh, randomly from Google and finding you and just getting in touch with you, or is it more mm. when you make a contact with somebody, you send them to your website to be like, "Here's my portfolio." Mm. I'd say it's more the latter, honestly. I, I mm. think people are finding me through my social channels and then uh, learning more about my process and what what I'm about on on my website. Um, I should also say that like some of the work I've done in the last couple of years has been uh, with collaborators. So where I will subcontract people who I know and trust for larger yeah, projects. I was going to ask about that too, because something okay. done looks like it's more than a one man project. Yeah. If it is, it's insane. <laughs> wait, wait, which one is this that you're talking about specifically? Uh, the one, the video game with the brain. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, being like squished around. Skeleton the, crew, yeah, yeah. That was actually the crew. first job I did that was um, where I did hire some friends of mine um, mm -hmm. to help with that. Uh, yeah, so I, I, that's, again, like a whole other thing and me learning about how to make this thing work. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> wait, was there a question that I need to come back to? No, but I have another one. You know, we, we, <laughs> you on. mentioned just some of the client projects you worked on haven't been through mm. work. What kind of, I mean, I know, but like what kind of projects mm. have you been working on? Mm. Um, I, okay, so, so I mentioned at the start that I worked on some smaller projects. I, I think I could say that one of the most kind of instrumental uh, jobs that I did and clients that I took on at the time was... Um, 
a, a, guy, a really cool guy called Yusuf who uh, who runs a company called Thrash Racing. It's like a you know a JDM Japanese racing kind of uh, sort of company based in the US and I guess Japan. Um, and you know he loved anime. He grew up watching anime, and uh, he uh, he wanted me to do some anime style stuff for his channel. So for me that was really interesting because it was the honestly the first time I'd ever worked in an anime style. And I'd loved anime for a long time, um, but my my style wasn't very anime, so it was kind of a bit of a challenge. Um, but he he got me to do a few jobs for him, and and that was where I started to see kind of an uptick on people who were finding me. Um, yeah. And I will what, say, actually, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. What kind of jobs were they? Like they were short snippets for? Yeah, exactly. Just very social short. Media so social media, or mm -hmm. they were for his social channel. Um, they were kind of also used as kind of desktop wallpapers and things. Hmm. One of the ones that really um, blew up was uh, it's essentially just kind of a loop of a of a guy that's like sit like kind of a nighttime scene he's leaning against his car he's smoking a cigarette and it's just a very like quintessential small town japan scene you've got this little yeah. tanuki next to like this old rundown japanese shop and it, it, it's like for me it's not really my world i don't know much about the scene and i don't actually drive and things like this but he's someone who really understands the scene and is in it and so he had like photo reference and stuff like that Ah. And uh, it's one of those pieces that for me, like he put it online and he wanted it to be really like, he didn't want it to be filled with branding. He wanted to do it as like a, a nice thank you to his followers and stuff. But of course, because it didn't have anything on there that said thrash racing or anything, someone else ripped it off. And, and honestly, it's all over YouTube. There are all these like slowed down Drake songs of this one loop. Oh and my goodness. Like. Yeah, there are like millions and millions of views and like different ripped versions of this one loop I did. Oh no, we probably um, wish he put some branding on, but maybe yeah, it's really, yeah. so successful with the branding on. It's Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of a funny thing. But then again, who knows, maybe if it was like heavily branded thrash racing, it might not have been shared and copied and stuff like that. Um, you probably wish you had like your name on there. <laughs> absolutely. And what I have been doing lately is putting at Nixon Animation on my more recent posts. Uh, but sorry, so that was one of the kind of the big ones that sort of set, in a way, set the tra trajectory for what I was to do next. Um, because for a start, lots of other sort of like car, like small car companies or like Japanese American car companies saw these things and like wanted to meet me to do similar work for them. Um, and I will say actually that as a, if you are a freelance animator that is looking to do what I did, which is to, create sort of like um, work by yourself for small brands and things and kind of go the route of trying to grow your own your own uh, social media and your own uh, brand rather than just work for studios. Um, one of the things that I found really helpful was when those small brands would um, link link to me on the posts. Hmm. So Yusuf at Thrash Racing, when he, whenever he posted something, he'd be like, you know, this animation is by Nixon Animation. And of course, that just means that suddenly all these fans of anime and cars are suddenly seeing me and following me and i'm getting tons more requests for like car car animations um not knowing anything about cars uh so does that actually lead to more work or just fans absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so so he found I, I well i found him through upwork i guess and he decided to go for me and then i got more work outside of upwork because they found me through his channel uh, and as a growing, as someone who was just sort of starting out on social media, that was something that helped so much, just kind of giving me a foot up for people to see my right. work. Yeah. Do you, do you have a specific strategy for growing your social media right now, now that, mm. you know, your four years progressed mm. into your uh, career? Mm. Yeah, it's something that's, that has sort of changed and it also changes as the social platforms evolve. Um, it's really important to try to to see where things are change, changing and trying to keep up with how things work now. At the start, it was definitely doing work for clients, um, making sure that the clients were okay with me posting on my own channel, because that's a big thing as well. Um, posting work, and you talked about my uh, work in progress uh, videos and behind the scenes stuff. That To me, that's like an absolute no-brainer because for one, I mean, I like sharing my roughs and things. I think it's neat for me, it's neat to see other people's work in progress. So I'm like, well, why not? But I can definitely say that in the first years of my kind of freelance career, the stuff that I was showing behind the scenes would get way more views than the final video. Um, the scary thing is that you can do like an amazing 10 minute short film and like 
it's just worth nothing on social media. You know, like maybe because it's too long. Yeah. Like TikTok and Instagram will decide it's not worth sharing to other people. So you can create this amazing work of art and maybe no one will see it. So so for me, even if I did like a 10 second loop for a client, I could go, how could I spread this out over three posts showing like maybe the roughs here or the storyboards here? Um, That really, really helped me at the start. Uh, Nowadays... So, so, okay, yeah, let me ask yeah. you something specific. So you have 150, I think 8,000 followers on TikTok with like mm-hmm. 2.5 million views. And like TikTok and like YouTube are like notoriously bad for animators because like mm. A, it's hard to post so consistently because animation yeah. takes so much time. And B, like people are just more interested in like trends versus like me yeah. trying to like promote my OCs and, and you know what I mean? Like yeah, so yeah. how have you been able to hack... <laughs> uh video short video format social Mm. media for animation specifically Mm. well i will say that um yeah it's funny because i feel like in the last few years it's been especially places like youtube have been a problem because they places like youtube are like we want a lot of content from you like we are valuing kind of videos that are above like 10 minutes 20 minutes and of course, as animators, there's and just you're like, see you in two adjusting. years with one yeah, video. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, but I've found that on TikTok and now with uh, Instagram Reels, that very, very short videos um, do really, really well, which is actually perfect for animators. Um, and certainly for the first, so I joined TikTok this year. I, uh, you know, I said, you know, I may be too old for TikTok, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, and definitely my first few posts were just trying to figure out like what what's the sort of thing that will catch on like what is it that makes a tiktok explode because unlike like instagram or you know or past social media platforms where you kind of you kind of know you know you'll get about this many views because you've got this many followers the way obviously the way that social media platforms are going now is like no they want to prioritize videos that they know people are watching till the end that they know are really engaging totally and so and this is the way things are going to go is that they are going to, you know, for years, people have been upset at sort of like the, the changes to Instagram's uh, algorithm and stuff, but it's, you know, <laughs> you have to look at it through their eyes, which is like in a totally like capitalistic, how are we going to get the most money out of our users? And that is yeah. by just finding the stuff that will keep them stuck to their screens. So, um, so say you're going to post something on TikTok yeah. as soon as we're done this chat. Mm-hmm. what is the formula that you're going to mm-hmm. put together with like music and what the content mm-hmm. is and how yeah. long it is and captions and what, like, what, yeah. it, what, what, what is this post going to look like that mm-hmm. you have learned to make a uh, success? It's, yeah. Okay. Like you're like, I do this. I know I'm going to get a hundred thousand views. Right. Well, the irony is that you, you, I, for me at least, I don't know. Like, all I can do is hope. And I feel like as I post more, I start to get a better idea of what I think will catch fire. But honestly, it's it's the sort of thing where, so for now, you you know, I have 157,000 followers. Uh, the most recent video I posted has 16,000 views. So that's about 10% of my audience have even seen that video. You know, like 90% weren't shown that video because TikTok decides that it wasn't worth it or that it's too long, it's not engaging. Yeah. Um, but I would say in terms of what I've been trying to do and what I've found has worked well is uh, keep them short for me. I mean, I know that TikTok really values uh, completion rate. So if uh, a certain percentage of viewers finish watching the video and it loops, even if they swipe away as soon as it's looped, that means a lot so yeah that makes sense they're um, like people want to watch this so we're going to push it and if it does keeps doing well they keep pushing it so like what is what is that uh how do you make something engaging for the (laughs) whole loop (laughs) that's a good um are you telling a story are you just putting pure animation are you like i know what you're doing (laughs) but i want (laughs) you because i've seen no yeah yeah but i want you to like deconstruct the strategy that you're engaging yeah. in for me because you yeah. know i at some point i'm gonna do tiktok myself and this is mm-hmm, i want mm-hmm. this is my crash course right now from somebody who's mm-hmm. already been successful yeah so i would say that it's it's kind in some ways it's kind of like a no-brainer in terms of that you should keep it engaging for the duration of the video but like we all know that 
the you know the TikTok generation and and all of us now are so prone to distraction and so quick to swipe. I think like the first things is super important to make the first you know second interesting because if nothing happens in the first second, then you are just going to swipe because it's what everyone does. And these are things that you know from using the platforms as well. I know for myself, I'm like, eh, whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm just like... Yeah, so so I, I think starting by making the, the first second or two seconds something unexpected or interesting or different um, is ideal. Uh, and then I guess if you can... I think you, you want to either build anticipation for something to happen. And I, I honestly don't know how many of my videos do this, but I know that that is a, a way to to do something that's successful is to have kind of an innate feeling of like something is about to pop off or something is going to happen here. Um, that is a great thing to do. I mean, some really long videos on TikTok get popular because you get the sense of like, oh yeah, this cat's going to fall off a ledge. I just know it or whatever, you know. Um, I don't know how many of my videos uh, kind of tap into that, but um, I think I would say that my most successful videos are ones that uh, change quite rapidly and you know, I think maybe you mentioned that some of my recent stuff has been in this kind of AR visual trickery kind of space. Um, that's definitely something I've just done for myself because I was just have been messing around for the last couple of years doing things that I thought were interesting. And that has been, those have been the sorts of pieces that have actually propelled my social channels like a lot. And so ironically, all this work that I've been doing for these clients has not been as impactful as the stuff that I've just been doing in my spare time because I like the idea of it. And, uh, and, and the, you're having fun though. Like you're just, yeah, yeah. You know, and you're doing um, something which I think is super unique and really cool and made cool. me inspired. And then I was like, I have no clue how to do this. And then watched you how to do it. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of work. I don't know if I have patience. And then I was like, <laughs> I'm a stop motion animator. I think you're I'm a stop patient. motion animator. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how is TikTok or, you know, just getting massive views changed mm. things for your career? Like, are you are you actually getting client work from TikTok? Are people saying, yeah. I saw this thing on TikTok, can you do this for me? Or is it just, mm. you know, nice to have a lot of exposure? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, my career is in a funny place right now because this is the first year that I have taken on like quote unquote in, uh, influencer posts, which is, mm. I'm sorry, my, I think my connection has gone a bit wonky. Sorry, can, yeah, can you still hear me? Yeah, everything's fine. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so this year has been where um, clients have approached me wanting me to do sort of pieces to promote their stuff in my style, um, wow. but where they want me as much for my audience as they do for my work. So in, in, if you've got an amazing portfolio and you're a great animator or compositor or whatever, um, you know, studios will, will want you for your... So Kylie style. Jenner is like, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, animate. So not just yet, but... yeah. But are okay, that's that's very interesting. So mm. social media influencers are they understand they have to keep relevant and do cool stuff. So mm. they're getting in touch with you after seeing your cool stuff on social. Um no, so I haven't okay, so I haven't been approached by actual social influencers. It's more like brands are now seeing me ah. as a social influencer myself. Oh, okay. So you're they're like they're wanting to utilize your following. Yes, exactly. Which is kind of you know, you, you you, you can't let it go to your head because at the end of the day, it's like these are companies and sort of influencer kind of, um, you know, studios that are literally just looking at numbers on a spreadsheet. They're like, totally. how many followers, how many followers do they have? Yeah, I want, how many you know, like, I yeah. can buy a TV ad for $2 million and get in front mm -hmm. of a million people, or I can spend $5,000 and get a million people on Instagram. Like, absolutely. Like, and, and, which is where people are. You know, the kids aren't watching television. They're on TikTok. Yeah. Um, how do you even, sorry, this, maybe this is too much information, but how do you even charge for your following? <laughs> that is something that I haven't figured out yet. Um, because <laughs> truly animated, it's funny because now I'm intersecting with the world of influences, which is typically uh, you know, people that are acting or dancing or whatever in front of a camera or wearing, you know, like a Gucci handbag or whatever, you know, like stuff that will take you under a day to film, right? And here I am, an animator. I'm like, yeah, I'll do something for you. And they'll, you know, I think a lot of these people will, will assume a certain price point, but I'm like, well, no, because it's going to take me a month. Um, 
So I have to be completely honest and say that like, even though I've started to, to do more of these projects, I haven't started pushing up what is just my standard day rate yet. But a, a lot of that is because the, the, like the people who want the work don't, they're not used to paying a lot for content because people can film this stuff so quickly. Your, totally. your, your typical- totally. uh, Yeah, I can take a picture of me with a handbag in yeah. like 15 minutes post done versus like, yeah. and, and they're thinking that's the same price point as you who takes a whole month. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I haven't had studios going, wait, what? But um, at the end of the day, no. they have to decide what's what's worth it to them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's a funny one for me. But I'm definitely like as I grow my my my, my uh, sort of channels, it's something I'm keeping in mind. And I, and I basically will go like if I if I go up much higher, I'm going to have to start adding more to my cost, I guess. So. I think your career path since you kind of quit branding is interesting. You were doing like mm. Upwork and then like uh, client mm. projects. And now you're almost uh, getting into a different kind of mm. client project where you're actually, you know, uh, you building a following on your own is that is paying off, could potentially mm. pay off more than mm. you trying to get client work because now yeah. you have like a double, you have this skill and this audience. Mm, so that yeah. that's very interesting to me and i know there there are definitely animator like there's kevin perry if you're aware of him he's like uh i think he's got like a million or two million followers on like instagram and he does like stop motion and like magic uh special effects stuff for brands and it's like you know they pay to have access to his audience and yeah. he's extremely talented and skilled at the same time yeah totally um so um maybe a, a hard point a hard point a touch touchy point for you but instagram <laughs> tell me what happened because you disappeared. disappeared. How many followers did you have on Instagram, first of all? Uh, I think it was at about 47,000. Um, so 50,000 50, followers. And then last week? Last week, uh, yeah, I, I went to log in. And well, I just went to check my Instagram in the morning after I'd gotten up. And uh, it was like, we've logged you out. And I'm like, okay, sure. And it was, you know, type in your password. Cool, cool. Tap on all the traffic lights. Okay. And then it was like, uh, no, sorry, we've, dis we've disabled your account. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, wait, 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 what? Uh, yeah, so apparently uh, my account has been disabled for pretending to be someone else. Do you uh, even know what they're, who they think you're pretending to be? Nope. So how <laughs> could that even happen? Some people were just mad at you and like uh, fl flagged you or something? Like yeah. maybe they saw some of your work somewhere else and was like, this guy stealing this? Maybe no idea. Um, I, I definitely have had comments from people saying like, "Oh, I've seen this over there," and I was, and and, and I <laughs> yeah, am like, thanks. "Well, that that was me, and I did it for a client." Um, but truly, I mean, the scary thing, honestly, in the situation is that I don't know, and that Instagram don't tell you, and it's all AI driven, you know. Like, however it happened, it wasn't a human that looked at my account and was like, "Oh yeah, this this dude is sus," you know. Um, so it's sort of like definitely. Uh, you know you're guilty until you're proven innocent in, in this case so yeah essentially it was like whoa wait a minute and uh you know i filled in a form and i you know they got me to take a picture of myself holding up a series of numbers and that was that was more than a week ago now and i, I mean you know worst case is that i never get this account back um I should also say that my my follower count had basically doubled in about the month before this happened. So it was this really like, yes, I'm on a roll. This is great. Finally, everything is working out. Yay. And then, oh, it all, it all crashes and burns. Yeah. I I mean, you're talking like literally I'd be you're talking pretty calmly right now. I'd be I'd be crying and devastated. Like <laughs> It's insane to me that, you know, you can use you, you yeah. had that account for like eight years or something yeah, yeah. that you spend all that time building it up, use it as your portfolio, mm -hmm. the following you gain, like mm -hmm. the people you talk to. And then instantly an AI is like, oh, goodbye. Like, it's yeah. so scary to me as well. It's like, really scary. It's your TikTok yeah. next. Like, where would you yeah, be? Yeah. I, I think because also because my sort of trajectory has been this kind of like solo kind of my own style building my own brand rather than doing work for other studios I think that makes it a lot harder because I don't have necessarily have you know I've got a lot of clients that I've done work for that have been happy with me but I think a lot of the animated friends that I have who are you know professional animators in the industry they are just like uh you know in the books of a lot of um studios and you know almost like their social media presence doesn't matter so much because they've got just so many people that want them all the time um yeah. whereas especially for me now moving into this influencer sort of space 
it's like, no, of course, my my platform is so important. And um, I've already, I've had to tell two clients already, like, look, it's been a week and I, and I have to be straight up with you that I lost my account a week ago. I don't know why, but there is a chance that I'm not going to have it back anytime soon. Um, so yeah, one of them, I've already had to renegotiate renego a lower price in the event that wow. I can't get my channel back. So it, it's really, really scary. And yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I think it, it really makes, it has made me aware of like, I, I guess how little control you have. It, it feels like if you have a social media presence, this is yours, but it's really not. It belongs to a company that, that owns it and can do whatever they want ultimately. Have you thought um, about any ways of maybe owning your audience a little bit more, if that makes sense, versus like relying on, yeah, yeah. on uh, like Instagram or social mm, media? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like I, I've definitely heard a lot that owning the platform in what, whatever way that may, may be is sort of like the one way that you can really control that stuff. Um, I don't know what that means to own the platform. I have a website, but I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to start, my, I'm not going to like Trump style, start my own social media platform because I got like deplatformed. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it's hard because for me, like if I never get this account back, I'm just going to have to reckon with that and maybe start a new account, but that will introduce all sorts of other problems. Like if I can't have Atmix and animation, suddenly I have one account that doesn't have the same name as all of the rest of them. So if I have Atmix and animation on my videos then eh, i don't know um yeah, it definitely has yeah it's driven home how important it is to uh not just rely on a single platform for me and i'm i actually feel really grateful that i did join tiktok this year because without it i think not many people would know i exist yeah um, you should go to those people that you renegotiated at a lower price to and be like hey i'll, I'll put you on tiktok instead if we keep the same price oh no i mean that that was already that was already oh no the deal. it was already baked into the deal so ultimately i'm talking about renegotiating for a yeah. lower price oh because now they don't have access to the instagram um, you can, but, maybe you can be like delay it like when i get it back then we'll go back on that's a that's an interesting question to me though yeah. because you know even just listening to your story i'm realizing how mm. vulnerable I possibly am like, I only have like 5,000 followers on my Instagram, but like, that is my everything. That's my yeah. portfolio. Yeah. That's who I chat with. That's how I make all my connections. That's where yeah. I, I post this podcast. Like if Instagram goes or my account goes mm -hmm. somehow, like I'm just, I'm just nowhere anymore. Like I just yeah. don't exist. Yeah. So, and like, at least from like, you know, my past life in the business world, uh, mm -hmm. most companies try to build up their email list because like email is like the most valuable way to mm -hmm. get in touch with somebody ever. But as an independent animator, it's like, what am I going to do with like, why am I getting people's emails? What am I going to do? Like, I don't know if you, some, some animators like make free resources and courses, but then you're not, then you're not hitting like a massive audience. Then you're just hitting like people specifically interested in like what you're doing. So I don't know. That's a good, <laughs> a good question. Maybe it's, yeah. maybe there's safety in just building up all social platforms. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. One dies. I know it's, yeah, it's kind of just keeping, yeah, that, that's probably been my biggest learning. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I'm going to be trying really hard to try to get this account back, yeah. especially because I think uh, also, I, I don't know, it's funny because I do have definitely made quite an effort to be as like affable and friendly and genuine with people online. So it's, it's pretty hard to be like, you know, there are obviously plenty of people that kind of get views and stuff by being controversial and by, you know, being mean or whatever. And yeah, that's not really my jam. What so. the heck? <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, hopefully it'll have a happy ending and I'll get through to a real human at some point and someone can help me. But uh, that's that's the hope. Um, well, yeah. I, I sincerely hope it comes back soon because I also noticed that you were gone and I was like, and then I was like endlessly searching and I was like, what, what is going on here? Is, <laughs> yeah. is you okay? Yeah, um, yeah. So, okay. I, I have a question about like, you know, mm. how often, so you're four years into your freelance career. Yeah. What is, what is, um, I guess the right word would be stability look like. Mm. Are you constantly working all the time? Are there big gaps? Mm. Uh, are you, uh, have you created like a thing where you just manage your, time where you're like now I'm going to take a break and you can or just like mm. tell me tell me how how it's going like mm. yeah I mean I, I have for the most part for maybe the last two or three years I have been basically maybe three years I have been basically working um, just consistently 
which is really great. And I'm really thankful that it's been like that. Um, I think at the start of, in fact, the reason I joined TikTok is because at the start of this year, I had like an unusually dry patch in mm. uh, February or something. And so I was like, well, uh, uh, this is scary, but I'm not doing Might anything. Might as well get really famous on another social <laughs> media platform, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's the irony is that it was like a lack of work that caused me to now be doing influencer posts. Uh, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I think it's been it's been pretty smooth. Um, the first year, definitely, when I was trying to get work on Upwork, there was gaps between jobs. Um, and I think scheduling is like kind of a tricky thing as well as a freelancer. Um, you, you are, you're a freelancer, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how do you find it in terms of balancing, like getting jobs and then balancing your uh, I've only been a freelancer since January this year. So oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been okay so far. So I was working cool. full time in a studio for the first mm-hmm. six months. Um, then I like consciously took a break because basically my my past was I quit my business job immediately went into animation school while also like consulting like in the evenings and like working mm-hmm. on projects on the side so I was like doing school full-time and then I was also doing like freelance animation gigs full-time mm-hmm. all last year every single day last year mm-hmm. and so whew, once like August came around I was like I'm taking a break <laughs> yeah. so yeah. I've only I worked on a small project this past month and now I'm working mm-hmm. on a couple more things right now Mm-hmm. and animation's great because you can never tell talk about what you're working on until yeah years later. <laughs> yeah I, I think that's actually one of the benefits for me oh yeah I, I guess I didn't really mention it but my work has mostly been sort of at, in advertising really oh so it comes kind out of, pretty fast it comes out fast absolutely and it, I'm I haven't you know I mean a lot of the animators that I know obviously I like that they're in the position of working on pitches and things for shows that never happen can spend years without anything to show for it that you're literally not allowed to show for it so i'd say that's one of the positives of working in the commercial space yeah. is is that everything you work on is is out and if you and if you can play your cards right then you'll be able to post it on your own channels as well totally. yeah I, um, I i think it's and like you can also be like vastly differently creative with each project in a short yes. amount of time yeah, 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 I, yeah. I love too because you, yeah there's something where like you're working on something for a long time and and mm. you reach a point where you're just like it's not it's not that it's not still creative or fun it's just you know you're just like can we I want to start something new and exciting yeah yeah Um, so that that, that's totally true for me and I'm definitely someone who kind of craves change I think um and you know from my years working in the games industry you know I was working on single games for three three years straight and again it doesn't really matter how much I'd love the project it's just you just yeah itching to do something else also there's this kind of um when you work on a on a project like starting fresh on new projects is great because if you learn stuff about um improving your process or even your like your own production process or whatever then you just get to like start again every time it's it's so good after being on projects that have been like have like legacy issues and, and yeah, kind of like, like old done. code and uh, you just can't escape it it's it's like a really a breath of fresh air to go all right starting something new um but I, i've been lucky to have uh, a real range of uh, projects um, going uh, yeah so what are you actively working towards an ideal scenario ideal project like are mm. you somebody who's like I want to create a feature film one day or are you somebody who I just want to work creative projects as long as possible like are you working towards mm. something with this you know you chose freelance specifically as a career instead of the the mm. studio life what is what is you know what is it in your future yeah that you intend um, that you intend to be in your future uh, not to be honest yeah Instagram i'm taking you down oh uh, yeah that's my my single goal in life now is to get my account back <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a very clear goal hopefully it's a short-term goal um yeah. no i mean w- when i started freelancing it was definitely it wasn't hyper-focused it was like i just want to be animating again and i want to be paid for it and that was all i wanted um maybe about two or three months ago i i had like a a waking up in the middle of the night epiphany about what i wanted to do um yeah and man i haven't told anyone apart from a few close friends and so i honestly i probably shouldn't say it here because i don't want to jinx it maybe i'll tell you off camera that would be fine but um okay i mean i i feel the same way about things but then i also mm -hmm. try to remember like you know as soon as you say something and and put it out there then your brain takes it a little bit differently and you're like, this yeah. is actually okay. I can actually 
talk about this with confidence and try yeah. to do it. You don't have to say on this podcast at yeah. all. Um, but it is essentially, um, without giving away too much, it is because in the last four years I've done some work by myself. I've obviously, I've also done stuff where I'm subcontracting and working with like kind of my, my friends and collaborators on bigger projects, um, which I really enjoy um, in, as, in a more kind of a directorial uh, kind of um, style. But what I've realized is that I, I honestly do really love just being a jack of all trades and doing stuff myself. Yeah. Also, I do. <laughs> um, I have worked for four years in commercials and in, in the commercial area, but I am like a huge fan of storytelling and of film in particular. Um, you know, and and for a long for the longest time, it was like I'd love to direct a feature film. Um, I don't. You know, that's not really going to happen on the track that I'm on. But uh, what I, I will be moving towards and planning will be something that is definitely all me or mostly me and something that is adjacent to it will be storytelling and it will be uh, a long project um and yeah i probably shouldn't say much more than that but That's essentially fine. yeah and this is only something i feel like i've really considered seriously because in the last year my my audience has grown and um you know, like, so essentially I'm thinking at some point I want to start Patreon or something like that. Um, but it's really hard. It's, it's hard to make a living off Patreon and I need definitely need many more followers than I have now to get to that point. So totally. yeah, we'll see how it goes. Well, I wish I'll you. I'll tell you after the call. After well, the, I can't uh, wait, but I also wish you amazing success with, with what you're doing. I mean, I think what's stopping you, you intentionally mm. Got into this career path. You've been doing great since, and you know you're figuring yeah. things out. Why not? And you're an yeah. amazingly talented artist too. Like the stuff, just like the stuff you design and your characters and like your background paintings. Like I'm like, whew, like I could I I could never do anything like that. Mm. Oh, <laughs> even man, if I thanks. even if I I don't know like took a class from you, I'd be like this. I just can't do this. So I don't know. Yeah, I I appreciate that. Um, I'm sure you could, but anyway, what, well, whatever. Well. Uh, I appreciate um, that. Just one, I guess, one other random question that I have. So you work in TV paint, and I, I've mm. only worked mainly in Toon Boom for 2D animation. Mm. Have you worked in Toon Boom as well? Ah, oh, man, at the start of my freelance career, I did like a one-day Toon Boom course because they were running one in London, yeah. so I went to it. But um, around, around, I, I had to make that decision, like which uh, software do I use, and I I opted for TV Paint. And um, what was the what was the biggest reason for doing that? I'm just curious. I mean, I have to be honest that cost cost was one of them. Um, yeah. TV Paint is not cheap, to be fair, but but it it there's a one cost you can buy it straight. You can just be like, I'll put down a grand, and then it's done for the pro version or something like that. And for me at the time, it was like, well, do I want to pay? every single month for Toon Boom when I'm already paying for the Adobe suite. Yeah, I think Toon Boom is like 90 bucks a month or so, or you can even yeah. get higher. And so it was like, you'd be paying more than that in one year, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, but also TV Paint does suit me in that it is definitely like four hand, hand-drawn animators for classical animators. And I did, I literally studied pencil on paper animation. That's how old I am. Um, so I do like that TV Paint really replicates that feel of, of you know, true uh, kind of hand-drawn animation rather than the vector vector stuff of Toon Boom. Nice. Okay. Um, Interesting. But I haven't used Toon Boom much, and, and I know Toon Boom is super useful for a whole lot of stuff. So, it, you know, maybe at some point. Yeah. I mean, so there's like drawing tools in Toon Boom, and like they mm. have different textures and things like pencil, chalk, mm. whatever. Um, yeah. But I guess a good thing about, at least that I like about Toon Boom, is you if you draw with the right tool, you can it creates uh, like pivot points in all your curves. So like you can hand draw something and then, um, you know, yeah. go back in and fix fix lines that didn't work out and mm. stuff like that. Can you do that in TV Paint as well? Uh, not like that. I think because TV Paint is raster, it's, I think that's one of the advantages of vector work is that it's so flexible in terms of changing stuff. Um, TV Paint is, is really, uh, because it's raster, it's less like I can't just squish things around forever because you'll start to lose detail. Um, hmm. This is the problem I have is I haven't used uh, Toon Boom for long enough to really. Yeah, so that's contrast. okay. I'm just curious what the experience uh, like is is like with TV Paint. That's all. Yeah, for me, I uh, in recent times I've been kind of I found great ways to import TV Paint After Effects, which is what I use to composite. Hmm. Um, and do you create all your backgrounds in TV Paint as well? 
Oh man, no, I think I use Photoshop for most of my, it's funny actually, I've realized that um, I actually really enjoy just drawing in TV paint. Like I, I thought it would just be the same as Photoshop, but there's something about just sketching that I actually really like in TV paint. Wow. But um, I don't know, for my paint, for my paintings and backgrounds and stuff, I'm using Photoshop and sometimes Procreate on iPad. So I'm kind of all over the place and kind of, but I, whatever it is, I end up kind of squishing it together in After Effects at the end, um, which I also really enjoy After Effects. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy the amount of programs, programs you need to just make one thing happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually really lucky because when I, when I was studying, um, it would have been like 2006. Okay, this is a whole other part of my story. So I'll try not to like bog you down, but um, essentially myself and a friend at animation school decided to start our own studio. Um, our, you know, we were like, you know, flush with youth and we thought we could take over the world on our own. Uh, and so we sort of had this crazy idea of that once we had finished animation school, we would start our own studio. And we did for about a year and then, you know, realized that, you know, we were just living off ramen noodles and I was literally sleeping in the basement of my friend's house. And that's where we were working. My friend's parents' house, I should say. Um, but anyway, we made a couple of short films. Um, one of them uh, was sort of like, has done really, really well on YouTube. It has like about 5 million views, I think. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's called Entropy. If you search for Entropy short film, it'll come up um and that was directed by my friend dane it was his uh third year project at animation school and so we spent the year after that working on it together and basically finishing it, it off anyway the year before that we did another short film called um ectype's end and essentially i was i was like working in photoshop and finding a way to like fake this 3d moving background and this would have been in 2006 and my housemate comes in and he's like what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I found this amazing method of like stringing together actions in Photoshop to fake this like moving 3D background. And he's like, you know, you could do that in like two seconds in After Effects. Yeah. And I'm like, after what? <laughs> after where? I've reinvented uh, this new technique. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I actually spent my last year animation school just in my spare time learning After Effects as I worked on the short film. Um, and uh, yeah, that has obviously come in really handy for me in the years since. And I'm sure After, After Effects has just changed and evolved so much since then. But yeah, um, yeah that was really great for me to like learn that uh, program and to, to get into it. Yeah. So we've, uh, Jeremy, <laughs> we've heard, you know, how you got into things, how you switched yeah. up your career, how you built up your freelance uh, animation career and all the twists and turns that have happened there, including all the social media ones. Is there anything else that you we like to share or that, you know, we missed out on or you think is important for people to know that, uh, you know, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking of switching out of their career mm. from something else or even just from the studio life into a freelance world that you've experienced that would help them? Um, I would say, I think I, I covered it already, but I think it, it honestly is important to, to not, if you can help it, and I know it's hard, but to try and take on work that matches your own sensibilities and what you yeah. like, because it is completely true that if you do a bunch of work in a style that isn't you, then that will almost certainly be the work that you end up having to do because it's what you're known for. Um, um, you were mentioning also before about TikTok and trends. Um, I would say that like, yeah, you should have a healthy appreciation for what is going on in TikTok and stuff, but I would also say that if you can think outside of the box and come up with some, some interesting kind of like either like animation techniques or, or ways of presenting things that mm. maybe you haven't seen before, I think that is like just as if not more important than jumping on the latest trend. Um, and I would say for myself that some of my videos that have really taken off uh, are have been were kind of born of me going like here's something that I haven't actually seen on TikTok yeah. before like why don't I try this um but there's a marriage as well uh you know like there was a CD cover challenge where people were like mocking up their own CD covers and I'm like well why don't I animate one so I did I baked this I think that's what CD actually cover. got me exposed to your work that's mm. and it's it's uh, something I'd never seen before ever <laughs> and I don't think I've seen it yet it's it's mm. um uh do you want to explain it I mean I think people should just go and watch it in fact I'll just I'll just include a link sure. in this podcast description to it so if you're listening check out yeah. the description and I'll link it 
Cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, that was something that was the first in what has become a bit of a series and and uh, and what I've been known for, I guess, in the last yeah. year. But essentially, it is uh, me just holding kind of a CD up to the camera and kind of turning it around. So there's a bit of movement. And it appears that the CD cover behind the, the, the plastic is animated. Um, and so it's kind of this very trippy thing. People are like, wait a minute, is this real? How did you do this? Um, and <laughs> the honest truth is that it, it's really not that hard at all. I'm just using After Effects to map an animation to the front of a CD case. Uh, the, the CD that I'm filming has black. There's like basically just a black CD cover. And then I'm taking the, the reflections on top of the black and I'm just superimposing them back on top of the animation. So it's honestly not that hard to do, but I think some of the best things are like simple ideas that maybe you haven't seen before. So totally. since then I've realized other people have done sort of similar things. So I, I don't think I'm a true original, but it, it has, uh, I've sort of taken that idea and I've done kind of more things with it. And if you look at my channel, there's some stuff and I have upcoming work that will also kind of try to push that idea further and further. Nice. Um, so yeah, I would say if you, that, that was something that was born of a trend, which is the CD cover challenge, but where I added my own spin to it. So nice. I think in a world of social media where everyone is seeing everything all the time, if you can do anything to stand out, um, yeah, you should, you should do that and, and try stuff. Um, you know, don't be discouraged when you create something that you think is going to blow up and it doesn't because that that definitely happens and some of my my biggest posts have been ones that i'm i just sort of throw out and i'm like i don't know i don't know if anyone will care and then yeah uh, yeah absolutely um but yeah be yourself and try things and uh yeah have fun with it i guess i love it and it's just simple advice too and it, it's yeah. it totally makes sense is there anything else you wanted to share as we're as we're wrapping up oh Goodness me. I, I, you don't have uh, to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have anything other than I guess if you work at uh, Instagram or Facebook or Meta, <laughs> please, please go send me an email or something. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the chat, Jeremy. Uh, thanks, Terry. Yeah, it was great to, great to chat. Yeah, it was, it was uh, great to meet you and have this chat. And I'm really excited to, uh, to see what else comes out of your work. And also, I hope Instagram comes back to you and uh you know if you're listening to this chat and you want to follow jeremy's work or get in touch with him you can look at him up at nixonanimation.com or at nixon animation on any social media like tiktok or youtube except for instagram right now <laughs> and, and make sure you check out the links in the description because i'll include one to the kind of like ar cd cover he did which is really cool so check that out that's all for now thank you so much for listening okay bye
The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.